Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. This is Tony Tolado here on Trek Tuesday. Recently, Get TV aired all the episodes of Fantastic Journey featuring Ike Eisenman. I spoke to him about that role, plus his roles in the iconic Escape to Witch Mountain series, and also his role in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hi, Ike. It's great to talk to you, man. Hey, Tony. How are you? Good, good. I do want to say that my wife had the biggest crush on you. When, <laughs> you know, she, oh, she just, yeah, you were it for her when, you know, when she was much younger, obviously, and so were you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm writing a rather extensive memoir right now about my, you know, my time as a child actor and my days at Disney, and I, I, I'm compelled, I feel, to title it. I had the biggest crush on you because that seems to be the first thing people say to me when they, when they get a chance to meet me. And it's adorable and, of course, makes me blush every time. Sure. So I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Fantastic Journey is back. So uh, what's it like? Do you do you actually watch yourself in some of those? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it, it's a... Uh, it's a strange relationship for me with myself watching myself. I, I, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. In the past, when I was a, a young performer, especially doing the shows at the time and mm-hmm. when they were on the air, you, you want to see it. You want to see, you want to see when it, when it's aired and what your work looked like, etc. Now it's, it's less uncomfortable from just the, uh, or just the, the, the personal work standpoint. Now it's kind of looking back saying, oh my gosh, we really did that show. I can't believe it. It's hilarious. I love it. This is fantastic. So it's very different. I don't watch it much because I kind of really don't have the patience. I've, I've <laughs> experienced so many of the shows in the past. The second I see a clip or a little an image from it, it brings the memories right back to me. So it's, it's often like I've, I have just seen it. So, um, but, Yes, I was actually transferring all the episodes about six months ago. Um, mm. I've had them in my personal archives on Betamax. Oh wow! Um, believe it or not, from yeah. when they first when they first aired, mm, and yeah. I have the I have uh, they actually have um, some of them have the vintage commercials in place oh, uh, cool. as well from when we recorded. So it's kind of funny. So I've got this like really original retro version that I'm used to, and. Mm-hmm. It's very different to see them uh, quite clean um, broadcast these days. Stay tuned for more with Ike Eisman on Trek Tuesday. What's interesting is that yourself and Carl Franklin, who's also was part of the series, have moved on mm-hmm. to, to directing careers too. That's kind mm-hmm. of Carl was always such a great guy, I, and I loved him. And I back in those days, it was a little harder to follow people and where they went in their careers than it is today. And right. when I started seeing his name pop up in that capacity, and then especially on House, House of Cards, I was just um, thrilled. He's an amazing, amazing director. And I, I yes, and I'm so excited to have seen him move on to something hugely successful after that. I I, I've done my share of directing. I didn't quite get out into the commercial forefront uh, mm-hmm. like he did, but I had a blast doing it. It's always something that interested me in many ways and a very fun and satisfying kind of three-dimensional expression of everything I grew up learning in the business. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it very much. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh project you you worked on or working on is Cartoon Galaxy. 
Yeah, that's been quite a few years ago. I uh, I had the fortune, uh, the good fortune of um, having a animation, 3D animation studio back when the boutiques were kind of were cropping up. We did a couple of projects that were that were fun. Cartoon Galaxy was one. It never quite made it to distribution. It was a very fun little piece that was designed to create original uh, little alien brother and sister characters that were going to bookend classic cartoons and other cartoon content. Oh, it was nice. a it's a really really fun uh, fun and uh, interesting way we were we were trying to get our work as a 3D studio mm-hmm. out there without having to bite off 34 minutes of 3D animation at a yeah, time. Sure. So, um, yeah. And then recently there's been, it was a remake of, of your Witch Mountain films, and both you and mm-hmm. Kim were in it, which was, was neat. Obviously playing adult roles, which is cool. Uh, what was it like uh, to be on the set and to, to kind of see your, you know, almost like younger doppelgangers of what you guys did? Most certainly when we both first met them, it, you couldn't help but look and see and... and <laughs> kind of see a bit of yourself reflected there because that was pretty much the idea in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it was the whole process of, of working on Race the Witch Mountain with Andy Fickman and Kim and the whole cast and crew was just this very surreal kind of love note to mm-hmm. the, the original film. Um, yeah. I'd been out of Los Angeles for a long time. I hadn't been on a set in a while. I'd this is a, I'd worked at the Disney Studios many, 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 many times over the years, but I got yeah. to go back suddenly in a different context. It was so it was very interesting. And everyone I met from craft service all the way up to the cinematographer had to stop and just say, God, we just, I just love that movie so much. So we were just, it was, it was a little funny because it was kind of like a, just a fan club and we all got together. This fan club got together to invite Kim and I to make a, their own remake of the film. So it, it, that was the vibe. Um, even Dwayne Johnson was that way. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just wonderful. It was an extraordinary experience, and and I was super glad they had figured out a way to incorporate uh, Kim and I, Kim and I in the film. Yeah, we had a really fun time. We had a really fun time doing it. I mean, are you amazed at the staying power of your original films and how today people still talk about them? I appreciate that question very much because I'm spending a lot of time. I've been spending a lot of time over the last couple of years contemplating that. It is. I am amazed and incredibly honored and, 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 and pleased about it. I think in the beginning, the the popularity of the film when it first came out, I was excited about it. I thought it was wonderful, but I didn't understand it. I was just happy it was something that people were glad to see and going back to see. Of course, having to take you back to 1975, <laughs> yeah. movies stayed in the theater for a year or two. If they were successful, they didn't yeah. go away. There was nowhere else for them to go. So it stayed uh, It stayed in the theaters for uh, those couple few, couple, you know, formative years for me, and I got a tremendous amount of exposure from it, but I didn't really spend much time thinking about why. Mm. And it seems like over the course of like every chunk of five to seven years or ten years, a little generation or half a generation, mm-hmm. moms and fathers will talk about how, what it meant to them, and then they talk about what what, their, what it meant to children. And the whole disenfranchised, misunderstood youth <laughs> coming of age story is is about as classic as it gets. Yeah. And Kim and I got to play probably the most disenfranchised, confused outsiders that you could you know, put in a movie, let alone a Disney movie. And yeah. now over time I can see it. I I now identify <laughs> I can identify with it looking back, mm-hmm. thinking about 
what kind of a young person I was. And for me personally, I didn't get I didn't get to have that escape uh, witch mountain as part of my uh, my coming of age movie movie set. It was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for me. That was that was mine. Yeah. That was the one that, that oh, set the hook man. in me and said, "Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great to just live happily ever after like that?" So. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of, of what I've experienced over the years, and it's, it's, it's meant a great deal to me because people really, you know, the more time they've spent thinking about the messages that they received from Escape Switch Mountain, just as a story, mm-hmm. are rather deep and, and very touching and have stuck with them to this day. So mm-hmm. I still appreciate, I appreciate greatly uh, when people share that with me. Yeah. As a young actor, you had such a benefit to work with these legends. Eddie Davis and Christopher. <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh man, that's. I mean, was it? Did you? I, I guess you were young, and I don't know if you paid attention as much, but did you look at the process and which how they work? And because they, especially Betty Davis, was very old school, and Chris was, you know, was a little, a little more. Uh, you know, he was. He got to start him in the seventies, so things were a little hipper then. But Betty is like very old school. So what was that like to? Uh, to, to kind of learn and watch and, and work with them. I agree with your your observation about um, about Christopher Lee. I uh, he came yes he came onto the scene. His notoriety picked up at a time was a little bit yeah the the idea of being a movie star had changed. Yes, but it still had this the class act um, foundation, if you will. Oh yeah, and that's what that was the overriding. 100% consistency of everyone I ever got to work with. And, and just even from Disney, it goes back to Pat O'Brien and Lloyd Nolan and, yeah. and Alan Hale and, and in mm. Witch Mountain, you know, Donald Pleasant and, mm. you know, and then, and then of course Betty Davis. It's like there's this whole, there's a whole slew of these old studio actors that that I had the chance to be around. And the one thing that was completely consistent was they were absolutely class act. Mm. You, I, I, I don't think I ever heard one of them utter a four-letter word on a set, especially in front of me. Mm. They were incredibly respectful. The other, the other thing that was important to me in any, in any event was simply that they treated me like just one of the crew, oh, another nice. member of the cast. Yeah. Kim, Kim and I weren't treated like kids. We were, Season professionals, everyone knew it, and they just allowed us to be ourselves. They were always nice. being just themselves. And that's what I learned more than anything. So that when they moved into their work, there was no bump, there was no skip, it was just, they just started speaking their lines. And it was very much how I kind of learned how to be an actor as someone who never studied how to be an actor, because I never really knew. I kind of, I learned under fire um, mm-hmm. on the job. Wow. And so I would watch these people, and I would watch how how they reacted, how they listened to other actors more than anything. That's what the, the great actors did. They listened better than, more important than how they delivered their lines was how they listened to their other actors. Because it always ends up informing how you're going to say your line, your next line. And it's also a great trick um, because the editors will tell you, unless they have something to cut to, they're going to cut to the most interesting performer on screen when they need a cutaway. And right. I had more than one tell me I, they always had something from that they could pull from from me. So if there were two other actors in the scene, I got the cutaway and the other actor didn't mm. um, because I was still working off camera. And I, this is what the stars did. They were always doing something interesting. And Betty Davis is no different. She was just herself. She was far less of a hard nose than her long and tough reputation in the business would have you think. 
she and I got along great. We just hung out and chatted with each other. The great tragedy for me is that I didn't take the time to at least write some cliff notes of the stories I heard she and Christopher Lee tell each other. Oh my god. They were, they were incredible. <laughs> they really, they, they were. And I can't even, I can't even paraphrase. I would simply sit and listen. I'm, I'm one of those performers that's much more of a, an observer than, than someone that, you know, pulls to the center of attention. And not that they do. They're just such a big personality. So they just start talking and you can't help but listen. And oh, yeah. You get drawn into it. And, and so it, it was just like, it was just like having lunch with them and then they'd stop lunch and say, okay, we have to work now. Let's roll camera. And that's what it was like. So, wow. yeah, it's very romantic in, 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 in many ways from a professional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's awesome. But uh, great, great lessons. Yeah. Trek Tuesday continues with my conversation with Ike Eisman. And you're also part of the Star Trek universe for Star Trek II. Um, <laughs> although we didn't know it in the original theatrical cut that you were Scotty's nephew. But when, right. but when they showed it on TV and showed the extended cut, and it's like, ah, Star Trek fans know Scotty. <laughs> and, yes. and we yes. know, we know that there was some kind of relation, but we didn't know what it was until we saw the, uh, you know, the theatrical, uh, I mean, the, the TV version. Correct. I mean, what was that like to uh, to talk about stepping into a, an icon, you know, set and, and with all these amazing characters too? Well, I didn't do it without some trepidation. I'll be honest with you. I wow. uh, was super excited just to get the audition. A lot of secrecy was buzzing around the industry about the possibility of another Star Trek movie being made at Paramount, mm-hmm. and I was very excited. I am a Died of the Wolf Star Trek fan. The show was on our TV when I was a kid. Yeah. It was on with syndication. It was just, it's simply been a part of pretty much my entire life. And suddenly turned into a personal goal as an actor. I thought, well, if I've got an audition for anything Star Trek, I'm mm-hmm. going to get it no matter what I have to do. So I really worked hard to, uh, to book that, to book that, nice. that part. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a straight shot. No one handed it to me. I was in there with a group of other guys. I got one call back, got a second call back, read for, uh, you know, read for the director and then, uh, got the part. So I, I was completely thrilled. Uh, then I got the script and found out I died. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh no, man. <laughs> I thought I got my hooks into another, uh, kind of long running mm-hmm. opportunity, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, turns out I did. Mostly because of the controversy surrounding why my character was so fond over to begin with, given right. that ridiculous, that ridiculous edit. And it was personally embarrassing for me because when, um, Rapicon was released in theaters, I was, uh, shooting a film in, in Florida called Cross Creek. Yeah. On my way home, I stopped off in Texas to visit my, uh, my relatives, my cousins. And I just thought, hey, it'd be kind of fun. Star Trek's out. We can all go see it. I haven't seen it yet. And they've been waiting for it because I've been talking about it saying, oh, this is so much fun. I've got this, this, and that. And it's not a big part, but it's still fun. Then we go and we sit in the theater and I'm watching it. And, man, I just disappeared and no one ever said anything. And where did he go? Why did he die? And why did they care? It was really, really sort of shocking. And I thought it was so pivotal to the whole point. Mm -hmm. Why would that edit be made? And that question has been asked of me, asked of everyone for so long. And, and, uh, you know, thankfully it was finally kind of answered in a way, but not in any way that, that, that made any sense. But by the time I got back to Los Angeles, I, I had already read and 
sci-fi, well, sci-fi magazines or whatever <laughs> that was out there that people were deconstructing it and figuring figuring it all out. Some people even got had gotten um, copies of the script, so they actually knew what the yeah. origin was. Mm-hmm. And so the rumors were true; they weren't complete. You know, they, they were based upon what the script was, but it was it was really very funny how outraged uh, the fans were, and I think forced ended up forcing Paramount to do that, uh, to, to reinsert the, the scenes when they, when they put it on television. Yeah. I think they had applied a lot of pressure, pressure to the situation. So, <laughs> 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 so my biggest part is now part of like Disney's classic, uh, you know, classic history. The smallest part I have is part of Star Trek classic history. I just That's think right. it's great. It's a blast. Yeah. And I love, oh my gosh. And, you know, working on it, I, I, I don't even, it's almost words can't describe because it yeah. was, it was, it was walking into the Star Trek universe in a way, in, in, in a way like you're walking into the into a bar, the bar on the bridge. Yeah, hanging out. They're half exhausted. They're half their heads half into it. They're not sure what they're doing because it's a new. This is a new project. The first film didn't go so well. That's they're right. Not sure if this, this is going to even get finished, let alone have any kind of success. And 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 you could you could feel that. I could feel it on the set. I I mm-hmm. I, I could see it. There was a tension amongst. The performers, but they were still having so much fun, <laughs> and that I appreciated. I really did. Uh, mm. George Takei never took himself seriously for a second. Uh, My gosh, he was—he was such a pleasure because we were um, the way the shooting arrangement was set up, and we were doing all of our um, um, enterprise work. Mm-hmm. The sets for the enterprise were on one soundstage, and right next uh, across a little alleyway outside was the stage where all of our dressing rooms were, where we all got to hang out to keep us away from uh, the rest of the, the studio. Yeah. Uh, so we would all sit on the stage, have coffee, talk, chat, read the trades, whatever. And every time George came back onto the stage after he'd shot one of his scenes or a close-up, he would come in and he had that this, that cape uh, as part of the costume and, and, and part of the film. He'd throw the cape around his shoulder and say, Zulu had his close-up. And he'd say, Sulu looked meaninglessly to the left just now. <laughs> Every, and, and he would describe in some sweeping fashion what little, little, you know, little bit he did, uh, on camera and take his break. And we'd all bust up because he just had a great time. So it was that kind of environment it was very serious. Of course, when things got serious, mm-hmm. things were taken very seriously. But, um, yeah, it was a unique experience, fun, and I couldn't be, I couldn't be more tickled that, uh, mm-hmm that um, it's still something that people uh, want to talk about. And Nicholas Meyer, what was he like uh, kind of running the show? Yeah, he, I, I loved him. I really appreciated him. He, I didn't appreciate really quite, quite how green or new he was to uh, such a position um, at Paramount yeah. until I had read his memoir, and it was actually very helpful. I, I really enjoyed his memoir, A Great Deal of You mm. from the Bridge. I recommend it to anyone. If you haven't read it, read, read it. It's, yeah. Very informative about the business in general and mm. just what it's like, let alone managing large personalities, which is a big part of his job. He, I, I just thought he, he, he did it with, uh, again, he was a class act and he didn't let anything slip. He moved things along. And even though I had a very small part, he made sure to take the time to have me give him what he needed for how he saw this film. Right. And, I always saw that as 
as my job as an actor anyway. So I, I respect that relationship very much. And none of us really had any idea what his vision for the film was. Everyone mm-hmm. was just trying to find a way to support it. And it ended up, it ended up being a really, uh, it, it's still my favorite mm-hmm. um, Star Trek film and, and yeah. ranks among my top favorite science fiction films. Yeah. I, th- I think it's one, one of the few kind of, um, I don't want to say it's not genre. It's, um, uh, franchise films that I think anyone can watch, anyone can watch cold with no knowledge about right. Star Trek and right. still enjoy it as a, as a, as a good story. Yep. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And I think that all that credit is, uh, goes to him. Oh, yeah. I, I really do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He came back and yeah. did six and, and, and six was a yep. great way to end things. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I just love mm-hmm. his, uh, literary references that he puts in into the movie. Yes, very much. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, uh, he kind of gave Kirk uh, a, a Charles Darnay Tale of Two Cities, Kirk and Spock, yeah. that relationship, and I, I love that. And I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what he gives, that's the book he gives him. So it's it was like saying something. Right. So, you know, it's really uh, yes. nice, nice stuff. I really enjoyed that. And, of course, uh, you know, having Khan quote from Moby Dick, you know, right from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really yep. good stuff like that. But yeah, he was great. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you're you're writing actually about your experiences about that, and you're it's going to be in book form. Yes. Yes, I am. I've been noodling around it for uh, a couple of years, and I finally uh, sat down um, the last six eight months and really uh, started focusing on it. It's going to be very much about um, how I got into the business, my family's background. I. I I, I come from a family that was in uh, was in entertainment in Houston, Texas, uh, and we moved out to Hollywood, and I got involved and had a quite rich and interesting and unique and special experience as a child actor and fulfilled a great, a big goal of mine, which was to be in a Disney project. That was a, a huge thing that happened for me, and I had wonderful, I had this, I, I had an amazing time doing the film, and I have this rich, um, really this rich these rich memories of almost daily life working on the set. And I thought, yeah. if I don't put this down, this is going to be lost at some point. So I really yeah. want to be able to share that with people. And I'm a big making of person. I love making yeah. of. I listen to companion tracks on DVDs. I read every making of book mm-hmm. I can get kind of get my hands on or I have time to read. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, when, well, how about a making of um, these films and some of the other things I've done? And hopefully people will uh, will be interested in checking it out. Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally agree. That's one of the reasons I do what I do, because it's interesting to hear how creative decisions are made, and that literally you know influences scene. And like for yeah. you in Star Trek, I mean, it was it, it for anybody else probably would have played that, probably forgotten, you know. But it just <laughs> the way it was done uh, made it memorable. I mean, I still say it's silly that. The, the elevator door opens and Scotty is carrying you, but, but it's like, yeah. okay, dramatic effect. I get it. But, uh, yeah, know, it, it was out of place. It's like, get this kid to sick bay for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, that's the other comment. Why did you take you to the bridge? Why did you take you straight to sick bay? I know, but, but you're, you're very, you're very kind in your compliment. And, 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 and the same goes for me too. When I watch movies, I, my, my own kind of armchair term for just mythologizing either actors or films or scenes. Yeah. Um, I don't appreciate it when I see George Lucas's recuts of you know, the original um, yeah. Star Wars because I got used to you 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 come to then 
you really bond with whoever it is on screen. I certainly can't imagine anyone else playing Tony in Escape to Witch Mountain. My goodness. Yeah. Someone who was in it, even watching it myself. Yeah. And yep, although there were other actors who did screen tests for it. And you think, and those are the things like I, I'm, I'm right along there with you. I, I, I bond to these people as well. And, and I'm always interested to find out who else was involved, but you know, it, you know were they or whatever it might be. It's, it's, uh, it's great fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorite stories is casting the original Star Trek. They actually approached Martin Landau, and he turned him down. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He didn't want to play an, an unemotional character, so mm-hmm. he ends up getting a job across the street at uh, Mission Impossible, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then they cast Leonard, and, of course, you know, history was made, and then, of course, the right. irony is, uh, years later, Leonard joins Mission Impossible, <laughs> so... So there you go. Their their careers right. are tied in that way. But yeah, decisions like he, that. He goes on to do. He goes on to um, space nineteen ninety nine. Not he that he's an emotional character, but he ended up in science fiction anyway. He sure so. did. He sure did. <laughs> they crossed See, over. I know. I, love I, that stuff. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I wonder if he knew what was going to happen if he would have made the same decision. But you know, we we wouldn't have had Leonard and God. You know, he's just mm. amazing. He's just amazing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's coming up for you lately? Well, I, I'm actually quite happily retired and writing my memoirs, as cliche as it sounds. I am uh, just enjoying uh, my time outside the business and really am enjoying uh, this reflective time and going over my career, trying to make some sense of it myself, because mm-hmm. I... It, it's kind of funny looking back. You throw up IMDb and you know I count all the titles and I'm scrolling yeah. down looking and looking for things and then I don't often stop and take a little, uh, you know, a little big picture look at how much work I actually really did do yeah. uh, over all that time. And so it, it's quite interesting. I, I don't know what's next. I'm I'm not someone who is ever without a project of some kind. Writing this piece though is all-consuming, and yeah. I'm enjoying it a great deal. But once that's done, who knows what's next? You just, you just never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And you're actually yeah. lucky enough to kind of retire at an age where you're still young enough to enjoy it too. I I appreciate you um, pointing that out because I feel so too. It's um, it's it, it's kind of fun. It used to be that was you know 55, 56. That was about when you you were expecting the gold watch, and I thought. Not a bad goal to set this day and age, huh? But no. Yeah, so I'm pleased with it. I'm I'm, I'm quite happy. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I what a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, you know, just uh, I mean, I just always respected your work. And and I mean, the Witch Mountain films are really special. You know, I I, I was much you know I was older, but I I remember them well. And then of course the the beauty of DVD and even VHS. I shared them with my daughter, and she loved them. So, and oh, that's and, nice to hear. And they're still, it's still going. You know, it's still going. Yeah. You know, and and the thing, I I don't mind remakes. Every time they remake something, for the most part, the originals just it they it just shows you how special the originals were. You know, it really does. That's true. You know, and I think that's part of really more. Part of honoring the legacy of the original is it brings your attention back to it. Yeah. So I respect that at the same time. Hmm. Tony, that's just very kind of you to say it, and, and, and I, I, I appreciate that. Besides thanking Ike Eisenman, I want to thank H&M Communications. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is available on DVD and wherever you get your digital content. 
In addition, you can get the Witch Mountain films available as well, including the new Race to Witch Mountain with The Rock. Until next time on Trek Tuesday, this is Tony Tolado. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.